0: centuries there have been certain fundamental beliefs that that the church has has just affirmed together and we just thought that that we wanted to make that a part of, of Thrive that um, these are what constitutes the basic beliefs of the church universal and so I thought we'd just read this together. So let's uh, let's affirm this. and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life Amen. Let's pray. Make us a people who are more aware of your presence. Help us to hear when you speak. Give us those ears to hear, those eyes to see, the feet that are quick to respond. God, shape us into the kind of people that you want us to be. This is a this is a partnership with you. You desire to be in relationship with us, even though. At the time, I don't understand why, but I'm thankful for it. God, would you um, continue to to meet with us today? Would you continue to do only the things that that you can do? And while I'm very aware of the things that are happening in this building today, and and things that are happening within the greater Tulsa area. My my mind is also drawn to our country. We are coming up on an election year, and I pray very deeply for the wisdom of our leaders, for the state of the world. Because, God, without you, I'm not sure what kind of chance we have. So I trust that you are working even when I don't see it, when I don't understand it. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, show us where we can make an impact even if it's just on our knees in prayer. I pray, Lord, for um, the other churches that are meeting today all across the city When you look down, you don't see a bunch of different denominations. You see different rooms in your house. And we get to be one of those. And I'm grateful. At the same time, Lord, I I know that um, there are other churches within our movement, within our network. And uh, we want to pray for them specifically, too. And so today, I'm praying for a Journey Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Pastor Tom, who has invested so much of his time and energy into Thrive. I'm very grateful for their partnership and I ask you Lord to bless that congregation because we're all on the same team we're in this together it doesn't matter where we are in this country we're still trying to make a kingdom impact in the world so Lord even today I pray you would bless that congregation in a new way and Lord as we're here and we're together I believe you have something to say to us And I pray, Lord, that um, we would hear from you. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Thanks, Becky. Before I get rolling here, I want to just make you aware of a couple of things. Make sure I got all the stuff that I need here. I'm kind of out of practice. It's been a little while, to be honest. I've had a couple of preaching engagements um, in the state of Oklahoma with uh, some friends of mine who are pastors, but I was telling my wife, I'm like, I did this every week, really? (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding. Because this is a preview service everybody's a visitor. Everybody's a first time, time guest. And so in the middle of your um, worship guide, you had a little card that says connection card on it. If you wouldn't mind filling that out, that would be a really big help to us. If you want to stay informed on all things Thrive, you can uh, sign up for the email list. We send out one a week to try to keep everybody up to speed on the things that are, that are going on around here. So if you wouldn't, wouldn't mind, that would be um, a big help. Now, on the flip side is what I really want to talk about. Because it's a feedback form. Here's the deal. Um, Every week or every month that we do this, we're going to get better. We're working very hard. There's a team of people who are looking at everything that happens um, on on these Sunday mornings. And we are going to solicit feedback a lot. So bottom line, get used to it. (laughs) So uh, here's one feedback form. Today we're looking at our guest services. If you wouldn't mind filling that out. Uh, That would be another big help to us. Now, if you are digitally inclined, you can go to uh, one of the um, digital marketplaces like iTunes or the Android Marketplace, and you can download the Thrive Church Tulsa app. Now, here's the thing. You have to type in Thrive Church Tulsa. Otherwise, you end up with a bunch of other Thrive Churches that I've never heard of. So <laughs> anyway, um, you can go on there, and you can uh, touch one of the icons. I'm trying to remember which one it is. And the feedback form is there digitally, too. So you can, you can also look at that. Um, either way, it's fine with us as long as we're getting feedback and just trying to um, uh, solicit your ideas. I've already heard one great idea for next time. Um, i excited about adding that to what we're doing. And by the way, if you are partnering with Thrive uh, financially and uh, you've brought uh, ties and offerings, you can take your feedback form and connection card with your giving, and there's a little silver box back there. Um, Dwayne Vanna White is back there pointing at it for us. So, (laughs) well played, Dwayne, well played. Uh, you can just tuck it in there, and uh, Mike will take care of that uh, for us later. Uh, you can also give online at www.invitetothrive.church, and uh, we'll have so, a few more channels for you, including text giving and on the app giving as time goes on. So stay tuned for some of those updates. kind of exciting all of the things that are happening. Now, please remember, our next preview service is Sunday, March the 6th. Now. I was originally going to do um, our preview service on February the 7th, so it was the first weekend of the month, but that's Super Bowl Sunday, and I really didn't want to compete, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying. So this is close enough to February that it can be the first one, so we'll, we'll do the next one on March 6th. So please get that one on your calendar. And uh, between um, now and then, we also have our February meetup. Uh, we do these uh, once a month. Um, as a way just to get everyone together. Now, one of our core values as a church goes like this. We thrive only when others thrive too. And we're pretty serious about that. And so we are continually searching for opportunities to get involved in the local community to try to make some kind of, uh, of an impact And so periodically we'll have opportunities for you to do that. We just happen to have one on February 25th and 26th. That's a Friday night and a Saturday night. Here's what we're going to go do. I'm so excited about this. I didn't know you could do this. We are going to be sending two teams, one each night, um, to make and serve dinner at the Ronald McDonald House um, over by the hospital. Really, really cool. Now, remember... People go and they stay at the Ronald McDonald house, yes, because they're getting help, but it's not for good reasons. And so if we can go along and try to help lighten that load just a little bit, Mm. we're going to go do that. So I'm very excited um, to announce that. So please put that on your calendar. Details will be coming up next week. You should be getting an email about it. Um, There are uh, several things that are happening with that. And... uh, uh, Jen Page is, is leading that, putting it all together. And so uh, we know that there will be lots of details and be able to get it done right. So really excited. So keep that one in mind. Um, that one's coming up. So details coming soon. February the uh, 25th and the 26th. I think there's about 10 slots each. Uh, we're going to be doing some child care too. So um, if you want to be involved but you have little ones, uh, we're going to see if we can get that one worked out. Okay? So if you have any questions about that, you can certainly talk to me afterwards. Be delighted to chat with you. So there's a lot of stuff going on, right? A lot of stuff. That's pretty exciting. All right, let's uh, let's open the Word here. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter nine. The Gospel of Matthew chapter nine. And um, if uh, if you don't know where that is, that's cool. No big deal. Uh, If you open your Bible in half and start paging to the right, eventually you bump into Matthew. Um, It's probably the first name that you can actually pronounce, to be honest. (laughs) It's true. Um, Matthew chapter 9 is the first book of the the New Testament. It's one of the four Gospels. Uh, Let me just tell you up front, uh, when I look at the Bible... um, Well, if you're old school like me, you can do that. If you want to, you can go to the Thrive Church app and hit Bible, and it will come right up. It'll be Matthew chapter 9. So, um, but just so that you understand, uh, what I want to say at the outset is that a lot of people call this a book. This is not a book to me. This is a library because there are multiple authors who are writing multiple books at different periods of time to different audiences with different agendas. And so we're just picking this one book um, called Matthew. And, um, I want to talk a little bit about about Jesus. So Matthew chapter 9, I'll give you a few minutes to to page there. Jesus is living and ministering uh, in the north part of Israel around the Sea of Galilee, not too far from his hometown. And um, specifically, he has kind of adopted the hometown of Capernaum. Capernaum is on the north edge of the Sea of Galilee. It's a little fishing village. I'm going to talk about it here in a minute. And Matthew opens uh, chapter 9 with a story about Jesus in Capernaum healing a man who was paralyzed in rather dramatic fashion. And in the process of doing this healing, he shows, first of all, of course, that he has power to heal, but also he claims that he has the authority to forgive sins. Now, let me just tell you, that did not go over very well with the local religious leaders. That was something only God could do. And so they weren't real happy with him. But Matthew picks up the story, and this is where I want to pick up the story, in verse 9. So let me crack this open. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. And Jesus is in Capernaum. He's traveling somewhere. Matthew doesn't tell us where he is uh, going to, but he comes across a familiar sight. This is interesting. And uh, we'll read it here in just a second. But as he's walking along, you would find along the trade routes in ancient Rome certain booths or tents, what we would call an office for tax collectors. And so Matthew says that Jesus comes across this booth with a tax collector named Matthew, and yes, it's the author of this book. Okay? Just uh, uh, for context here. And so you would find these along trade routes. You'd find them at city gates. They They were very, very common. Now... Every government needs money to run, right? We know this every April 15th. We understand this. And no, we're not real happy with the government or the IRS, but let me just explain something to you. Tax collectors in ancient Israel were not just hated, they were loathed, despised. They were, how do I put it, gently, without being too abrupt. They were probably the scum of the earth. And here's the reason why. Sometimes this gets lost because, remember, whenever we crack open the Bible, because there's a difference of time and space, we're tourists. And so our, when we read the word, we have to be like tourists. Things are a little bit different. We have to try to understand that. So here's what we, we know. Typically in Israel, the tax collector was Jewish, And other Jews would see the tax collector and think, oh my gosh, he's working for the enemy. Because the Jews didn't want Rome to be occupying their land. Because this is the land that God gave to us. Why on earth would God allow a foreign occupation to be here? So they were actually working with the enemy. And furthermore, these were Jews who were profiting from other Jews uh, who were typically poor. And uh, when when we talk about profiting, we're talking about big money. It was a very lucrative business to be in, to be a tax collector. Secondly, uh, and this is the part that that, uh, uh, we may not get necessarily from the text, but tax collectors as a whole were notoriously corrupt. They would have a a certain um, assessment that they would make on whatever goods and services you were bringing to market, And then they would upcharge you and pocket the difference. So if it cost you, say, five shekels, they'd charge you seven or eight and keep three. After a while, this adds up. The ancient rabbis lumped tax collectors together with robbers. Because robbers would get your money through violence and a tax collector would get it through coercion. Either way... This was a despicable group of people, to say the least. So financially, it worked out great for you. Socially, not so much. Very often, this was considered the lowest rung of the social status within a community. Lowest rung. And so Jesus sees this booth, this tax collector, this symbol of hatred and everything that's wrong in the world. We're going to talk about it with gritted teeth, right? And he does something absolutely unthinkable. Let me read to you what happens. Verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, Capernaum, he saw a man named Matthew, the author of this gospel, this biography of Jesus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Absolutely unthinkable. First of all, he voluntarily talked to a tax collector. Who does that? (laughs) And then secondly, he does this amazing thing, he comes up to him and he invites him to be one of his disciples. That's what follow me means. He walks up to, get, I mean, we are talking about the absolute dirt bags. And he says, come, follow me. This was a mind-blowing thing that happened. Now, in ancient Israel culture, The highest thing that a male Jewish uh, man... Male Jewish man. (laughs) I told you it's been a while since I've done this, right? Okay. The highest thing for a Jewish man was to be a disciple of a rabbi. There was nothing greater within the social status. A very, very small percentage actually became a disciple. Now, all Jewish men had to go through a certain amount of training a certain amount of education in the Jewish religious law. But after they achieved a certain point, only a select few who did really, really well in school were invited to become a disciple of the rabbi. Very few. So when we read throughout the New Testament when Jesus says, follow me, and they leave everything behind and go follow him, there's a reason for that. So here's Matthew. Matthew. Now, Matthew's probably making a good living, but Matthew's also on the lowest rung of the social stratum, and now Jesus comes and says, come follow me, be one of my disciples. What just happened? He immediately went from the bottom right to the top. Do you think he left everything to be able to do that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a shocking kind of thing that we see that's going on here, and it's it's. Sometimes I think it gets, it gets lost in, in, the, in the translation. And so in verse 10, Matthew throws a dinner party. And, and he invites his associates or his former associates. And, and here we read it in, in verse 10. <clears throat> While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. By the way, very often when you see the word tax collectors in the scriptures, it's coupled with the word sinners. (laughs) They're just kind of lumped together. Guilty by association, I guess. These sinners. Now, here's here's the thing. Capernaum is this small fishing village, remember? Most estimates peg the population of Capernaum at this time around 1,500 people. So, small, working class, and rural. Some of you grew up in communities like that, right? And everybody know everybody else's business. So when, when you have tax collectors and sinners all showing up, everybody knows it because they all know who they are. Everybody knows who these people are. These are the people that had a past. These are the people who had bad reputations. These are the people from the other side of the tracks, sort of, and, and they were barely tolerated. And for whatever reason, they have abandoned The Jewish religion, and they were not really concerned about things like righteousness. Why? Because mind's on the money. Money's on the mind. Now, I want you to note something here, though. This is an important little tidbit of information. These are not poor. By any stretch of the imagination, these were not the poor folks, (laughs) but they were marginalized. They were pushed to the fringe. They were the ones that nobody else liked to hang out with. But they weren't poor. And here they are having dinner with a miracle-working rabbi. There's got to be something kind of surreal about that. Like, now, wait a minute. Matthew just got invited to be part of this, this group of people. And most of the time, these guys don't like us. And here we are hanging out with this guy named Jesus. That's mind-blowing stuff. That, that's, that's new. That's unique. That's strange. You, you've got a group of people who are, who are sitting around going, hmm, not every day this happens. It, it strikes me, I heard another pastor say this, and I'm going to borrow it because I think it's good. It, it, it astonishes me when every time we read in Scripture that people who were not like Jesus at all actually liked Jesus. Did you notice that? i got to be honest, that's kind of convicting. Just saying. Now, not only do you have this group of tax collectors and sinners who are kind of puzzling over this, you also have a whole group of people in the community who's aware of all these folks gathered together, wondering what's going on here, including the local religious leaders, because you know they're in everybody's business. And, and, and here's what it says. Uh, if you look in, in, um, in verse 11, when the Pharisees, that's the local religious leaders, saw this, this dinner party happening with Jesus and his disciples, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? This is a legitimate question. This isn't a challenge. This isn't, this is puzzlement. This is like, no, no, no okay, no, help me understand this. So, we know what these people are up to. We know what kind of character they have. Why is your teacher doing this with them? This makes no sense to us. You can imagine how that would go, how that would be you know, hard to work out because this was contrary to their understanding of how their religion was constructed, how God supposedly worked. So the fact that Jesus is doing this and he's a miracle-working kind of rabbi that's unusual. He should know better than this, and yet he's doing this thing. It's, it's a legitimate question, and, and it's one that, he, that they pose to his disciples. The upshot for all of us is the fact that Jesus overhears this question, and he actually answers. Look at verse 12. On hearing this, Jesus says, said, It is not the healthy who needs a doctor, but the sick. <coughs> Now, please bear in mind, he's with this group of tax collectors and sinners. They are overhearing this, and there's a very good possibility that, that what he just said, this idea that the healthy don't need doctors, the sick do, was a proverb, was something that was a known saying to a lot of people at that time. And they would also say, well, okay, yeah, that's true. But then Jesus does something truly extraordinary. Look at the very next next uh, sentence that he says verse 13 and he's saying this to these pharisees but go and learn what this means i desire mercy not sacrifice see jesus isn't content with just giving an answer they called him a teacher so jesus is going to throw down he's going to say okay if you're going to call me a teacher school's in and he says to them, go and figure out what this means. Go learn this. This is important for you to understand. And he quotes Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. God is speaking to Israel through his prophet. And one of the things that he says is, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Now... We've got we to gotta work through this a little bit to, to try to understand what's happening here. Because Jesus isn't condemning the sacrificial system because God gave that in the Torah, gave it to them at Mount Sinai, this seminal moment in the life of Israel. Everybody understands that you're supposed to do sacrifice. So Jesus isn't condemning the sacrifice. What Jesus is ultimately pointing out here is that there are some things like mercy that are more important than a strict adherence to the letter of the law. In other words, what he's saying very tacitly, but very strongly, he's saying, look, you've lost the spirit of all of this. You're so interested in following the letter that you're missing the whole reason behind it. Because here's the thing, I want we need to understand this, this is so important. The whole idea of a sacrificial system was mercy because God understands that human beings screw up. We do. Have you opened the paper recently? It happens all the time in every single one of us. We live in this kind of environment. And so God put this thing together to say, Hey, look, I know you're going to blow it, so let me give you a mechanism for you to reconnect back to me so you don't have to do it alone. That's mercy. So he gave the sacrificial system, and it's like you you want everyone to do the sacrifice, but you don't understand the spirit, the love, the relationship that God wants that's behind it. And then he goes on, verse 13. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Sinners. These very people that you were talking about, these are the, the folks that I'm after. These are the ones that I want to I I talk to, I want to reach. And what's interesting to me in all of this is that there's, a, there's kind of this paradox, is that you've got these, these Pharisees who, they are supposedly the righteous ones, right? But what Jesus is ultimately saying to them is, we're all a bit of a mess. Even the righteous And you Pharisees, you need mercy as much as anybody else. We still do. Every one of us. We live in this fallen and broken world, and nobody gets out unscathed. And I need mercy. And you need mercy. And I'm so glad that Jesus came to give us mercy and say that it's important. Now, Today is Thrive Church's first preview service. And like I said, I'm thrilled that you're here. Conventional wisdom says that there are a couple of things that I must talk about in my first service. I know because I do a lot of reading about these things. One of the things that I I need to make sure that I share with all of you is our strategy and plans. Um, And we got a lot of those. Because I really enjoy that kind of stuff. We got lots of... in fact. I would love to chat with you afterwards if you want to know what they are. I can draw you pictures and everything. Seriously. <laughs> I like pictures. We've got plenty of strategies. So I can talk to you afterwards about that, or um, we could go get coffee, which would be cool. It doesn't have to be today. We could do it, like, next week. So um, that would be great if you would, would want to do that. But the second thing that I really need to talk about, I must do this, must, I must talk about the vision of the church and the direction that we're going. This is important. It's important for me to share the vision of Thrive Church with everybody. I just did. It's Jesus. That's it. It's Jesus. Jesus is the vision of this church. It's not a clever phrase that you can repeat, but it's this magnificent story of mercy that human beings need, including me. That's the vision. It's Jesus. Does does Tulsa, Oklahoma need another church? Folks, there are several hundred congregations in the metro area. No. We don't need another church. But Tulsa, Oklahoma needs something. Needs Jesus. Needs people acting like Jesus. He's people thinking like Jesus, people following Jesus, caring about the things that he cares about, people who are characterized by love and mercy and hope and all those things that we see in these stories. That's what this town needs. I need that, don't you? And how about your neighborhood? And, 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 And if neighborhood isn't the place, then I know your workplace needs it. Your boss needs this, right? Yeah. And so what I would what I would say to you is that if any of this idea about about Jesus appeals to you, then I'd just like to say we invite you to thrive, to be a part of this thing that we're doing. Let me pray. God, thank you for mercy (laughs) and love and grace. There are Days that uh, I need it more. There are weeks, there are months that I need that grace and mercy more. And more and more. I'm so grateful that you offer it to us. This is your church, Lord. We are very grateful to be here gathered together. Lord, be our vision. Um, fill us with your spirit so that we can offer things like mercy and hope and love to the people around us. Help us to fully comprehend what amazing grace really means. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week, my prayer is that you would continue to meet Jesus wherever you are because he's trying to meet with you wherever you are. In our movement, the Church of God out of Anderson, Indiana, they've kind of adopted this phrase that I think is very appropriate for us, that Jesus is the subject. So my prayer for you is that Jesus would be your subject. Grace and peace. Hey, see ya a month from now.